you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority Podcast. If you have ever wondered if you could grow your business from zero to seven figures in one year with no ads, then this podcast is for you. I would love to welcome Carla Singson today to the show. She's an award-winning writer already. Big kudos on my part, speaker and entrepreneur. She has taken over 13 years of experience in growing and marketing her own online and brick and mortar businesses while moving to different places across the world. Now, recently, her biggest success includes growing a managed outsourcing company into a seven-figure venture in a year without spending anything on ads. She has shared extensive stage time talking about business growth, leadership, and marketing. And on the personal note, on her regular days, she likes cooking Filipino food, going to hydro spas, perfume shopping, watching psychological thrillers, which I totally get as a marketer, and reading <laughs> behavioral economics. Welcome to the show, Carla. Hey, Kim. Thank you so much. And I'm super happy to be here, excited to share my story, and of course, you know, for your some of the writers in your audience, I, I would also love to share how how writing was honestly a huge part of how we scaled our company. Ooh, I'm yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah. Okay. Since this is your first time on the show, Carla, why don't you take a few minutes, share a little bit more of your story, and how did you manage, like, how did you start your outsourcing company? I know we're going to talk later on about how you grew it, but how did it get started? Yeah. So. I graduated super early in the Philippines. I graduated at 19. And that was because I entered college pretty early as well. I entered college at 15. I was just kind of advanced in school. And I had a really good college resume, but I failed basically all of the companies that I applied for. So I had this dream after graduating college, just like all the kids here, of like working for these big companies. I feel like I applied at P&G, Coca-Cola, Unilever, you know, the big wigs. And because I had a really good college resume, I thought, you know, oh my gosh, this these companies will be fawning all over me. And, you know, obviously I was young and intellectually arrogant. <laughs> so then the reality slapped me in the face. And I think I failed like all, <laughs> all of the exams. Um, and then I told myself, oh, you know what? Maybe I just don't test. You know, some people don't really test very well. Um, I just kept going. Unfortunately, after that kind of big heartache, it was still hard for me to get a job. And it was mostly because they said, at the end of the day, hiring a 19-year-old is just not a very good idea. You're still a teenager. You're young. You're probably going to get blacked out and hung over at work. So you're a flight risk. 
the only job, the only company that I was able to apply for was an ad agency and they accepted me as a writer. So I had a marketing degree and now I'm a writer at an ad agency. So that helped me really hone my skills in writing and marketing, which I love. I loved every day in that in that job. Unfortunately, I only lasted for eight months because the little rebel in me fought against the dress code. And so as you can see, my background is not, I am non, I don't like, you know, complying or conforming. And so the crazy people like me who are like that, obviously the next best thing is start a business. I started accepting a lot as much, you know, writing gigs as possible. And then I started outsourcing. So I would say that is my first experience, you know, Mm -hmm. in outsourcing. I looked for other writers. I passed off some work to them. I just kind of managed the work. Fast forward. And then I started other physical traditional businesses on the side. And they were also pretty successful. I had a flower shop that I turned into a franchise. We now have 13 locations, 12 in the Philippines and one finally in Edmonton because I have a friend over there. I know it's so random. And, and I also have a corporate event planning company that is doing government contracts. So, so I like business, you know, I like writing and I like blogging and then social media came on. So I had the opportunity to start a recruitment company for virtual assistants because, and only because I was joining conferences. And as as long as, you know, as soon as people found out I'm Filipino, their first instinct was, are you a virtual assistant? (laughs) And I was like, no. I said, before before the show, Carla was commenting on my Canadian accent, right? (laughs) About a boot. And, but, you know, it's sometimes the stereotypes, right? Like Canadians, every Canadian says A. Well, not, first of all, not every Canadian says A. We might say a boot, but we don't all say A. So that, that automatic assumption that because you're Filipino, you're a virtual assistant. And, and I've heard that. I've heard people say that because that's, that's what gets associated. Yeah. Well, you're going to have another round of chuckle on the the follow-up question and so people ask me are you a virtual assistant I said no (laughs) the next question is so are you a singer (laughs) I'm like unfortunately also no (laughs) but depending on the amount of alcohol that I have that night you know I could I could definitely hog the karaoke machine and pretend like you know sound like Celine Dion in my head but so it's just funny um you know and then enough people asked me if they could at least help, if I could at least help them find a virtual assistant. So I started a virtual assistant recruitment company, and then it eventually morphed into an outsourcing company. I got the, <laughs> luck, the great luck of getting an investor, invest in my company, mid-six-figure investment in, in early 2020, and we grew our business. We grew our outsourcing business from zero to seven figures in a year without spending anything on ads. And then now I'm doing my own thing and I'm starting my own outsourcing company and retired that partnership, but I'm in outsourcing and that other company is, is doing like content repurposing. Awesome. Awesome. You know, the thing I love about your story is, you know, every entrepreneur has got that little bit of rebel in them. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, mind you, I was always the good child. So, you know, I got a little bit, it's there. I just don't always say it, you know, because <laughs> I was the 
was the good oldest firstborn, you know, the responsible one, the one who, you know, always did what they were supposed to do and and all those things. But inside, little rebel. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You have a, you have an alter ego. It's funny you say that. As a child, like I was very gullible and I would just do really dumb things. So uh, a few years ago, (laughs) (laughs) here we go. (laughs) A few years I was in, a few years ago I was in Toastmasters and I was competing in a competition and I was raised by a single dad. So I did a whole speech on my dad who was Captain Patience and his sidekick gullible girl. Oh, that's so cute. Captain Patience. Oh my, I should get him a cape for like Father's Day. Oh, I wish I could. But in October, it'll be 20 years since he passed. And I've got so many fond memories. He was amazing, Dad. I hear you. My dad also, I'm sorry, by the way, my dad also passed 12 years ago. And the daddy-daughter relationship is very special. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. I think for me, even more so because I only had one parent. So my dad was mm, exactly. sort of everything. You're everything. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, wow. Okay. Well, I'm really curious. Okay. Cause as soon as, as soon as I saw your, your title on pod match, I'm like, I really want to hear what she's got to say. So I'm going to let you loose and I Ooh. want you to share about how you grew that business from zero to seven figures in a year. Yeah. Sounds good. So like I mentioned in the earlier part of this podcast, I love sharing this one because a lot of people don't, I've shared this story so many times and these strategies, you know, in so many podcasts, but in, in many podcasts, their audiences are filled with aspiring entrepreneurs. And even the podcast host is also an entrepreneur growing their business. But for this podcast, Kim here, the extraordinary word ninja, I'm sure you and a lot of the members of your audience are probably writers too. And so this is go, going to be really special because we use my writing skills to to make it happen. Mm-hmm. And so this is how it happened. Um, in 2017, I was dating this copywriter and I went into a lot of copywriting workshops and mm-hmm. I really delved into copywriting. And he told me that, you know, you're a journalist and you're a writer, you should try out like actually try out copywriting, Um, how, how good, like, especially social media copywriting, organic marketing, and writing for like sales pages, email sequences, like all that jazz, because I did copywriting technically a while ago, I used to write radio ads, like, I'm gonna like, age myself, you know, I'm I'm gonna like, reveal my age here. But yeah, that's how old I am. radio ads can you imagine and then so i used to write radio ads i used to write for the newspaper and everything and so he was like you newspaper like what's that for real i had a column for five years girl (laughs) (laughs) she's laughing at me (laughs) she's like (laughs) people don't believe me when i tell them that i have a four-year-old grandson oh that's good yeah yeah there you go that's what i want that's the level i want to be you're my role model (laughs) (laughs) out of this podcast you should share some skincare (laughs) secrets with me. (laughs) But yeah, so I started doing that. And then I remember that the thing with writing is the more you write, the better you become. And there's just no shortcuts. You just have to keep writing. So I wrote every day on Facebook, just on Facebook every day, I think for two or three years. 
And wow. I remember this. I would wake up in the morning, I would think of an angle, and I would write a long post, literally like a blog. You know, if you hmm. are one of the early like Blogspot users, Live Journal, MySpace, if you blogged on these places, this will be very easy for you. You just have to think of an angle, and then you have to watch your content on like what is a hit and what's not. So I noticed yeah. that certain ways of writing would have a lot of engagement and a lot of shares. And I went viral a couple of times, actually. I go as as much as 5 million impressions organic on Facebook. And I focus on this one platform. And that's, that's how, yeah, but that is like three years worth of work. But the thing is, no one taught me. No one gave me the secrets. I just experimented yes. until I got it. So yeah. now I'm sharing, you know, the shortcuts with you guys. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure Kim will have a lot, of, you know, her own input as well. So I did that. And then when we launched our, our, when we really went serious on our outsourcing company, when I got that six-figure investment, I was like, okay, it's game time. I need to step up my content game. And so with the years of me just having a good reputation, helping other people or people enjoying my post for entertainment. By the way, if you follow me on Facebook, Carla Stefan Singson, I post a lot of like not safe for work, <laughs> like raunchy jokes as well. You know, some of them are like, I call them like business jokes. It's like, I'll give you an example and you can like edit this out if you want, but like one okay, example would be. Give me the example, but no swear words. No swear words. Okay. So you guys will already know what the real word is anyway. So, but like a sample would be, you know, one of my best scaling tips is you should send this message to your client. Hey, here's our invoice. If you don't pay this invoice within 24 hours, I will F your dad. So like, you know, things like that. So, you know, it makes you, you know, it's funny, makes people laugh and then makes people love your brand more. And so I did a lot of posts like that and also value posts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, teaching people about outsourcing, hiring, what it takes to hire your first virtual assistant, yeah. how you can, you know, your project manager, how you can onboard them, how to avoid getting freelancers that just go AWOL after a while. So yeah, we did that. And then, so these are like eyeballs, no? So it, it's traffic. That's what I was doing. I treated Facebook as my top of funnel. And yeah. even though we had a website and we had a brand and all that, I picked one piece or one channel and that I just went all in on it. I know a lot of coaches will tell you to go omnipresent, be on Twitter, be on LinkedIn, be on Facebook. But if you are starting and if your focus is distributed, it will be very hard. And there's different rules and different strategies for each platform. And so I would say focus on one. And then I would say the other thing, you know, someone might ask, why did you choose Facebook? You know, I thought that was just like a bunch of old people. And like... <laughs> And like my people in high school that I haven't talked to for 20 years until they sell me Herbalife. I don't know. So sometimes I agree that could be Facebook for some people, but I personally love Facebook because it's very real. You know, where I noticed that on Facebook, that's where people announce their engagement, even their divorce, you know, their grad, the kids graduation, a new baby coming to their family, you know, like post your wedding photos. And so I, I love Facebook because it's such a real platform compared to Instagram, which is a bunch of pictures. And 
and or LinkedIn, which is very professional. I want to be a real human and I want people to love me for being human. And so, yeah, we started on Facebook. And then the other side of it is just having a really good service, taking care, being obsessed about our clients' experience. And then step three is using our first few clients as our evangelists. And so our first few clients that we obsessed with, they're super happy with the experience. They referred the, the other clients. And then, of course, we grew. We set up a proper affiliate system and, and we organized ourselves, basically. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So what would you say was one of the hardest parts of this? Uh, the, I think the hardest part of it was that moment when you're growing so fast because uh, I think when you're growing a business, it's super hard in the beginning and you're grinding and you're grinding and you're grinding. And then there's that one moment or like one month and everything clicks. Everything that you worked hard for, for the last few months, honestly, sometimes it could be years, right? And then that one month, everything worked out and you fixed everything. Because most people start their business in a very bubblegum and duct tape type of way. Especially if you're, if you're, you know, like my personality, which is kind of a rebel, always trying something different. And, and that's a really good marketing tool, marketing strategy too, right? Uh, different is always better than better. So they always say that. And I love that. I love that because I love being different and I love using that as an advantage. So I think the hardest part is in that moment when everything clicks and you're growing so fast because everything finally works, you will also make a lot of mistakes and, and you will experience a lot of pain in such a short time. And honestly, it's very difficult. So there was that moment when we had a lot of like client cancellations, unhappy. We we had like an employee who like stole money, you know, like stole clients and then like took some, even took some of the employees. So, you know, things like that happen. And then you backtrack, you correct, you hire lawyers and you tidy up basically. Yeah. And so when this moment comes in your business, don't panic. Don't panic. Sit with yourself and always do the right thing. Always do the right thing. In these moments, it's easy to, number one, give up. It's easy to do the wrong thing or like incite vengeance if there's people that hurt you. Um, and then and then also sometimes it's easy for people to just freeze uh, and refuse to face to face the music or something. But you just need a little bit of time to breathe. You know, meditate. Honestly, meditate. Sit with yourself and think about, what is the right thing to do? So would you say that that sometimes it's better to grow a little bit slower and put systems and foundations in place? Because I've seen that with a lot of businesses that grew so fast. There was just so much going on that a lot of things slipped through. And, you know, like you said, you had somebody stealing from you. You had someone steal your clients. So, you know, would you think that maybe a little slower but systems in place would would work as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely am operating with that mindset right now. You know, there's a saying, there's a famous saying, I think this started in, in golf. You know, I'm a golfer too, but slow is smooth and smooth is fast, right? So that's also a, a, one of the favorite sayings of like operations managers, because it is better. It is better to go slow and honestly, right now in my outsourcing, my own outsourcing company, I tell my team, I would rather have five new contracts each month and each contract and each client 
is properly taken care of, is properly onboarded, no complaints, you obsess about their experience, then like 50 new clients. And we are like, you know, everything is last minute. Stress level is very high. So yeah, as long as I would say, you know, right now, because we're still in the growth phase, as long as we grow eight to 10% per month, which is still very huge growth, because that's like 200% in a year, tell them I'm super happy. I'm not rushing. I know we were able to do like, we were able to get on our first six figure month in a little over a year the last time. But now I know that we can get there, but we don't need to rush. We don't need, yeah, there's, there's no, and honestly, like for whom, what are you like, you know, some, some people, some people are obsessed, like with just the wrong things, you know, it's because like what you see some marketing bros with their Lamborghinis and their cigars and their trips and telling you, oh yeah, I grew my company from zero to 40 million in like a hundred days, you know, like, yeah, don't focus on that. Focus on your business. (laughs) Well, first of all, you don't know how many of their businesses failed before they grew that zero to 40. And it's it's never their first business that, that does that. But secondly, like, look at the cost. What is their personal like, life like? So they've got the successful business, but how many divorces do they have? How happy are they? <laughs> exactly. Right? I mean, you know, I think of, you know, superstar actors and actresses who have committed suicide. They have everything there you go yeah you know and yet they're not happy and i've seen that with business people you know who who have who have done everything but they've lost their family you know they're alone right yeah. so you know fast and and extreme growth isn't always the best right i mean yeah. don't get me wrong all of us are in business we all want to make money we all right. want to live the dream but sometimes the dream isn't what we thought it was going to be yeah, absolutely. So, and the the sad thing is sometimes you only get to this realization after you've done it, right? After you've built yeah. that seven-figure business and realize it's not everything. And honestly, that's what happened to me. My seven-figure business, it was pretty successful. And and I started to to get really burnt out. And I started to um, to allow certain things in my company that didn't align with my values. Mm-hmm. And and I just kind of, I told, I lied to myself basically mm-hmm. and told myself for many, many months that this is okay because we have the money, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, and just kind of started eating at me, you know, slowly. And then until I couldn't, and then I just quit. And yeah, I quit. I fired myself as a CEO. And then I told my partner, I can't do this anymore. We need to take a different direction. And it was also very hard. So, and I told him I need to just be straight with my integrity and my values. And the other thing also is a lot of founders. So if you are the one that started your business, meaning you're the founder, I also realized a lot of founders actually don't make good CEOs, <laughs> me included, because it's a real job, girl. And and so I realized that and I'm more of a visionary type of person. And I work the best when I'm inspired and when I'm meeting other people and when I'm creating so right now in my company, my title is founder, but I have like a COO that takes care of everything. I'm not in a rush to find a CEO. We hire consultants and coaches to coach my executive team so that they can rise to top leadership position. And all I do now in the business is meet other people, you know, and write. 
So I'm back. I'm back, guys. I'm back to my first job, and I'm super happy. <laughs> I write all of our emails, all of our copy, all of our affiliate stuff, and I'm super happy. You know, you get to be the face, the brand of the company. Yeah, I get to do that as well, which I like. And I guess you know, golf is a business. I don't know, deductible expense, so that also <laughs> makes me happy. Um, oh, yeah. So. I think that would be the next kind of nugget there. You know, do not be like actually think about what you really want because I mm-hmm. I realized that after everyone has an X amount, which is after they make that amount, their needs are taken care of. They have they put away. You know, they set aside money mm-hmm. for savings, investment, retirement, and then you're good. You're good. And there's no need to overwork yourself or, you know, for what? For a Rolex? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, really, I used to, and I used to do that. I used to be obsessed with like material things. And now my husband buys me a Kit Kat and I'm super happy. <laughs> <laughs> Kit Kats are good, man. <laughs> it is the simple thing sometimes in life. Like, one of the things that I've learned is, is that, you know, Working towards the place where, you know, the company is very financially, uh, you know, more than providing in that. Not quite there yet, but good way there. Mm-hmm. But I've learned that, you know what? It's the simple things. Like grandbaby number two. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> he, is, he is this close to taking his first steps. Aww. And, um, uh, you know, we don't live near them anymore. And but my daughter in law and my son have been so incredibly faithful. They're sending me videos. So they send me a video the other day, and, and grandson's number two is standing in front of the TV. They've got like it fenced off, so he can't actually reach the TV because he likes to push all the buttons. But um, <laughs> he's got Sesame Street on, and he's doing his little dance to the music of the Sesame Street. And Nana's heart just like, oh, these are the moments that I live for, right? Exactly. And I think sometimes in entrepreneurship, we have to slow down and enjoy the journey. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree with you. And I would love to mention a recommendation, by the way, while I was listening to you. I recently finished reading this book called Die With Zero. I don't know if you've heard about it, but the concept was stop making, trying to make so much money to try to you know, leave something for the kids or whatever after you die. And the principle of the book is obviously to save enough for any medical emergency or whatever care you need when you're old, but but also enjoy your money and enjoy your life and be in the present. So one of the things that they mentioned is wanted to share this with you because you have grandkids is like a lot of people, they, they put the, their children and their grandkids on their will and then they leave. They want to leave this money, you know, when they pass. But they were like, what if you just give that money? While you're still alive, you can use this for your your grandkids' college or sending them to an experience that will change their life. Like maybe I don't know a lacrosse work workshop, you know, in another country or something, and a concert that you can go with them or like something like that. Because when you die, and if you have unused money, quote unquote, that you could have used for your own personal leisure and happiness. It's different. So I love that. I love that. And it, it definitely gave me more motivation to, yes, continue working, but also reminded me that I need to just enjoy the present. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Like 
the, the truth is, is you come into this world with nothing. You go out of this world with nothing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like you don't yeah, can't even bring your go. <laughs> nope. No, <laughs> no. And, and, you know, inspired by this, the title of this podcast, author to authority, a lot of writers have big egos. Shh, don't tell anyone, but because we love having our name, we love getting our, our stuff out there read by people. Don't you just love it when people quote back like the things that you wrote when they meet you in person? It's so awesome. Such an awesome feeling. And and I think, you know, in line with that principle, you can use your authority and your words for things that you enjoy now when you're alive. <laughs> I so agree. I so agree. <laughs> Carla, we're pretty well out of time. So two things. Can you give us a final thought? And then if people have enjoyed this conversation how can they connect with you? Cool. So thank you so much for having me. I had so much fun. I wish we had more time, but I'll, I'll harass you to get on my podcast too. <laughs> I'll be <laughs> sure of that. Uh, and I would say as a last, you know, kind of final words, I think the, the most important thing is Always remember to be intentional with your journey in business. Whether you're a writer or you're a writer trying to start a business, you're an author writing this book. Guys, these things that you're choosing to do are not easy. Writing a book, finishing a book, starting a business. Only the crazy people do this. Crazy people like you and me. <laughs> Normal people get a job and go on vacations and you know, and hang out with their family. That's normal people, but we are the crazy people who chose this. It's not easy. And so that's why you need to be really intentional and, and think about your dream life and what you, what really makes you happy. So, and with that, let that be your guidance instead of a number in your bank account. So as long as you love what you do, you're helping people. And of course, common sense, you're providing a solution that people are willing to pay for. You're, you're in a good spot you're in a good spot. You have everything you need. And then you have resources like Kim's podcast. If you work with Kim also, then you have the right you know, teachers around you and you have the right resources around you. And uh, what was the second question? Oh, where can they find me? So if, if you want to follow all my raunchy jokes and occasional business advice, you can find me on Facebook, Carla Singson, Carla with a K or Carla Stefan Singson. I have a, both a Facebook page and a Facebook personal account where you can DM me. So yeah, if you love this podcast episode, also remember to give it a good rating, send some kind words to Kim. And if you want to work together, if you want to hire your first virtual assistant project manager, if you mention this podcast, I'm going to give you $200 off on your first month. Just let me know if you're Kim's homie. If you watch me on this podcast, I'll, I'll give you a deal. So what is the URL so people can find your resources? Yeah. Wow. I'm the best marketer ever. (laughs) So if you want to work with us, check out what we do. You can find us at proximityoutsourcing.com. Awesome. And that will be the show notes as well. Yeah. Thank you so much, Carla. It's been a pleasure. This is Carla Singsong and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Check the show notes. (laughs) By the time this is launched... I will have something free to give you, but I can't give you the URL yet because it's still being created. But check the show (laughs) notes because there's a freebie from me there too. Have a great day, everyone. And we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Bye. 
You've been listening to the Author to Authority Podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.